Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle podcast. As always, I'm your host, Tom McCarthy. So happy to be with you. It is J. Chris Newberg week here at Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. Excited to have him in town this weekend. Excited to have him on the show. I'll be bringing up a conversation with J. Chris here shortly. It is a busy, busy week here as we wrap up the month of August. 2022 is two-thirds of the way done. It is hard to believe. August has been a wonderful month here at the Castle. Thank you again to Zach Martina for being on the show last weekend, or excuse me, last week, and any of you who are at the shows here this past weekend. Zach absolutely destroyed, as I knew he would. So great to see good things happening to him. So, August has been busy. September will be even busier. We really start getting into the meat of the Comedy Castle schedule here as we roll into the fall. But summer's going to go down with a fight. So let me tell you about what's going on here at the Castle. I'm actually going to share with you what's going on here the final uh, two weeks of the month of August because we are going to be dark, as they say, in the business over Labor Day weekend. The only weekend in any given year when the castle goes dark is Labor Day because of a big festival they have here in the city of Royal Oak that just kind of fuckers everything. <laughs> it just fuckers everything up is the only way I can describe it. Uh, but it's wonderful and we support and all that good stuff. So here's what's going on at Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle this week, Wednesday the 24th, world famous open mic at 7.30 p.m. And then it will be, you know what? I already know the show's posting late. The show is going to be posting <laughs> after the open mic takes place. My conversation with Jay Chris actually took place at the open mic. We were both on, so spoiler alert. So I don't know why I'm even telling you this, but if we were to jump into a time machine and go back to Monday when the show usually posts, Wednesday the 24th is the world famous open mic. And then this weekend, Thursday the 25th through Saturday the 27th, it is... J. Chris Newberg for four shows. Thursday, let me pull this up, make sure that I don't give you the wrong show information. Thursday is at 7.30 p.m. Friday is at 7.15 p.m. And then again, two shows on Saturday at 7 and 9.30. You can call the castle at 248-542-9900 for your ticketing needs and questions. It's a lot easier to go to the website and purchase them right there. Go to comedycastle.com. You can purchase your tickets right there. And then also Sunday, the 28th, a special engagement, a very special engagement. Michelle Wolf. Michelle Wolf, many of you will know her from The Daily Show. She also absolutely knocked it out of the park and stole the show at the White House Correspondents' Dinner a couple of years ago. A very, very gifted talent and comedic voice. Really looking forward to having her here on Sunday night. That's a special engagement. One night only, 6.30 p.m. Michelle Wolf will be here. And then next week, the week of the 29th, on Tuesday the 30th, it is the Detroit to L.A. competition, 7.30 p.m. It's terrific. Don't miss it. Come out on Wednesday the 31st. It is a comedy class showcase. This is our comedy class 101 showcase. Bill Bouchart's students. Many of them appearing in front of a live audience for the first time. These shows are terrific. Make sure you catch it if you haven't already. And then Thursday, the 1st of September. Boy, that is still difficult to wrap my head around. <laughs> September is here. Thursday, the 1st, we will be throwing another of our world-famous open mics. That's going to be at 7.30 p.m. And then we will be closed for Labor Day weekend. And then 
We'll be back with new podcasts, new shows, and my goodness, the schedule coming up for the month of September is just outstanding. So we're real excited to bring that to you. Well, I was real excited to speak to Jay Chris, Jay Chris Newberg. I'm going to call him a favorite son of the Detroit comedy scene. Anybody who's been involved in comedy, any scene that you come up in, um, you're always familiar with those who have come before you. By the time I started doing comedy here in the Detroit scene back in 2009, uh, Jay Chris Newberg was just one of those names that you knew. Uh, he's one of the guys who made it from the scene. He had already been out in Los Angeles for several years at that time. I believe uh, in that 2009-2010 time frame, he was doing some uh, writing for Dane Cook when Dane Cook was one of the biggest names in the business and just getting a lot of traction in his career. I also, I believe if my time frame's correct, I think Jay Chris was even managed by Mr. Ridley, Mark Ridley himself, uh, back in that time frame. And I knew of him more than I knew him. I was on a couple shows with him early on. And when you're a new comic coming up and a headliner stops by for a spot, uh, a touring comic, and you see their act, it really is awe-inspiring. Uh, the, the particular night that I'm recalling, I think, would have been from late 2009 or early, early 2010. Jay Chris did a spot at the castle just after me and I, I remember not having the strongest set it didn't go real well and kind of just droopy feeling down shoulders drooping thinking well maybe it just wasn't my night Nah, the crowd's not that great and of course jay chris straps on his guitar goes out there and kills for 10 minutes so that's the way it goes that's one of my early rec- recollection uh excuse me recollections of jay chris newberg uh, over the years, I've got to know him a little bit more. Uh, I had him on the show here, I believe it was three years ago. He's a fantastic guy. Real interesting conversation. We have a lot of similarities. You're going to hear us get into that um, during our conversation. And I'm glad we were able to pull it together. Uh, we actually recorded an interview a couple days previous, and it just too many technical difficulties. He was still out on the coast. It's before he traveled home here for the shows. And there just was not enough to cobble together um, a, a conversation in a podcast worthy of Mark Ridley's comedy castle. Uh, so we were able to sit down here at the open mic and yuck it up a bit. I really think you're going to enjoy the conversation. Um, I think a lot of you already know of him. For those of you who don't, just a few accolades with with Chris. He's been on The Tonight Show. He's been on The Jimmy Kimmel Show. Uh, writing credits. Uh, uh, the Chase on ABC. Um, just lots and lots of things he's done lots of things he's got a great record out that you hear us discuss that uh, was recorded here locally a couple years ago it's called live near detroit i highly recommend it he's just a real solid talent real solid guy i think you're going to enjoy our conversation jay chris newberg everyone ladies and gentlemen sitting in front of me tonight the man himself jay chris newberg yeah thank you for doing this thanks for making me I've already, I've already told our listeners that this is kind of a, a redo. We tried doing it on Monday. Technical difficulties from hell. Yep. We had to punt. Yep. Now we're here face to face. Yep. I, I feel your aura and energy much better from a couple feet away than I do over the telephone. I think I'm just sweating. <laughs> Welcome back to town. Thank you. I already know you've accomplished uh, uh, some of your to-dos when you get back to the Motor City. So what, whenever you're in town, I know they're usually short stays now. Uh-huh. Um what do you have to do when you're in town? I used to do a lot more. Now I don't do anything. <laughs> like I used to want to get together with everybody, 
and it's exhausting and yeah. it's not a question of having too many people to get together with it's just a question of recognizing what's actually important versus what's not mm-hmm. so i had when my initial my initial itinerary here was like see this person see that person do this do that and i just i didn't want to do it i just didn't want to be constantly going right so i don't i think saturday afternoon i'm gonna look for detroit shirts to restock there you go and that's my and you know and i have to have lunch with my great aunt so i don't have to have lunch with my i get to which is wonderful but yeah, it used to be way too many people, and it's just it's 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 exhausting. It's and it's not fun for anyone involved because you're like, hey, come pay and see me, yeah. and then I won't be able to talk to you afterwards. It'll be super rude. Yeah. So, whenever someone says I'm coming to a show, I'm like, cool. It's it's amazing how your friends and family. I mean, thank God for friends and family when you start off as a comic. They're usually your first fans, or they're usually the first people who come out to a show. But. <laughs> It never ceases to surprise me how mundane it gets for them after a while. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, hey, I'm at the Comedy Castle this weekend. Eh. <laughs> yeah, they hate it. Yeah. They have so many. I mean, well, I mean, bless them for their enthusiasm initially. But it's like, it's also sort of secretly selfish of them initially because they kind of want to see you eat it. You know, it's like no one is Isn't like that crazy. Yeah, it's like it's whenever weird. someone says, oh, come see my band play. You're not yeah. like, oh, this is going to be amazing. You're going to be yeah. like. Uh, I hope they don't suck. I hope I don't have to talk to them afterwards. Yeah. I still have a, a few friends and, and relatives who came and saw me in the early days. There's very few comics who right out of the gate are awesome and hilarious. And I had some rough shows when my friends would come out. Sure. Say, hey, I'm in this contest. Please, I need people out. And they would come out and, and I would do poorly. And that was 14 years ago and they still haven't let me off the hook. Yeah. <laughs> do you still suck, man? Have you gotten any better? <laughs> yeah. it's. I mean... It is what it is. I mean, it's more fun to do it in front of no one anyways because you get an honest reaction. Yeah. Well, we mentioned it's unfortunate that we had some of the technical difficulties. Stop, start. One of the things I was talking about that struck me, um, and I know more of you than I know you. We've met a few times, had you on the show a few years ago, but it is uncanny how many similarities we have. Tell me. Is it the beard? <laughs> this is three days growth here. I can I don't, it. This is embarrassing. I'm nearly hairless here, if you can <laughs> see. I'm showing my lack of body hair to the people here in the showroom. But we're about the same age. We grew up maybe 10 miles away from each other. We were in bands when we were younger. Um, we also... I didn't get a chance to share this because the phone kept cutting out, but we've also gone through something difficult together. I recently lost my father. I know oh. you recently lost yours. So first of all, condolences. Thank you. Same and to second you. of all, I love that. Uh, I, I love the set you just did. I loved how you started. It's cathartic. It's emotional. And it, it feels good to get that shit off your chest and laugh about it. Thank you. Yeah. It's, I don't, I haven't figured it out yet. Uh, I think by Saturday I'll have it figured out, but I definitely want to talk about it because it's just one of the strangest experiences I've had. And obviously we all do. And everyone looks at death different and everyone grieves differently, Mm -hmm. but it's amazing how everyone tries to take death away from the person who died and away from the people grieving and Mm -hmm. make it about them. Yeah. And it's just, it's kind of funny because like, no, I mean like these, like it used to be tragic if one of your influences died. Mm -hmm. Now it's an opportunity because you probably met him, you know, through with the channels of social media, you maybe even had a conversation with it. So all of a sudden it's like my favorite posts are when people like when like David Bowie died and they're like, oh, this one hurts. I'm like, fuck you. What do you (laughs) do? You know, you can still listen to him the exact same amount. You didn't hang out. Yeah. But I wanted to talk about it because it's really uncomfortable for everybody. So, yeah, I felt it in that room. And um, 
I was like, as uncomfortable as this is, and believe me, it was super uncomfortable for me because uh-huh. I'm used to like set up, punch, laugh, set yeah. up, punch, laugh. And since I'm doing stuff that's totally different and new, it's interesting to see where I'm going to put it. And like, I, I, I got like three punchlines out of what I just did by accidental speaking, etc. Yeah. But that I'll put in tomorrow. But it's just I'm gonna have to run that bit like twenty or thirty times. Well, there was something very it's it's weird. At my age and all the when you live and you live X number of years, you've gone through so many deaths. Loved ones, friends, acquaintances, celebrities you look up to, you you, you just experience it as the years go by. Right. And this notion that you shouldn't make death about you. Well, the person who has died has moved on and yeah. really probably doesn't care. And you have to kind of make it about you in your own way. Comics sure. make light of it. Um, your humor. I'm, I'm a believer that a lot of things are absorbed and are genetic and come from us. Do you, would you characterize either one of your parents as funny people? Uh, no. Uh, Storytellers? No. Uh, that's the weird part about it. I was, my grandfather uh, raised me, and he was a great storyteller, and he was very funny. Uh-huh. Um, my mom was cap- – I think my mother's ability to chat her way out of anything was kind of – I think I probably got a little of her gift of gab. Okay. And my dad was never – he was just like – he's just very uh, spiritual, very, like, very slow learning. He took his time. Uh-huh. Kind of like, but like also prophetic, like, you know, you would think that he wasn't paying attention or whatever. And he would say like one thing and it would break the whole thing down in like one sentence. Uh-huh. But yeah, it's yeah. cool. It's, you know, my, um, my dad was not a re- real gregarious outgoing, outgoing type, but he loved my comedy. He was always a big supporter of mine. He loved when I started doing comedy. He, uh, he loved coming out to the shows and, uh, uh, I remember we were talking about Rob Little the other day. He was kind of in that group of people you came uh, came up with. My first uh, my first paid weekend was opening for Rob Little, and Rob Little did about twenty minutes on my dad, and my dad just thought it was hilarious. Oh wow! Now, unfortunately, my dad succumbed to dementia and Alzheimer's, and oddly, he loved my act more as his mind was going. He would huh. laugh inappropriately, so it's kind of funny how that works out. But it has felt in my act. I've put him in there in stories about him. It, it, it feels awesome. Yeah. And I've made it funny. I've, I've, the nuance of not making people uncomfortable and just making them laugh at the common human experience of losing someone. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to figure out how to do it. I haven't done it yet. No. But I'll get there. Another um, thing that we have discussed, a similarity, is a musical background. You're, you're, you're an amped up version of me. You've gone further in comedy. You went further in... In music, because I do remember your band, the Voodoo Hippies. I don't know if I ever saw you guys, but I remember seeing the name around town. Mm-hmm. Um, in the band, did you play guitar and sing? What did you do in Voodoo Hippies? Uh, I was a songwriter, backing vocalist, rhythm guitar player. Okay, rhythm. You, you got a, You got a nice loose right hand. I have noticed that by, Thank you. by, by watching you on stage. Thank and that you. is a high compliment. Thank a, you. A loose right hand. Um, writing a song to writing a song with a big hook, good chorus, and all that stuff versus writing a song. In a comedic way, is it kind of the same process, or is it two totally different things? You just have to get to the hook faster, mm-hmm. and there doesn't really need to be more than one hook or more than. When I first started, I was approaching comedic songwriting like regular songwriting, and I'd do verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, mm-hmm. and it was, and I could feel people just being like, "It's getting a little long," <laughs> and uh, and then I just figured out how to do them shorter. 
What was, uh, was it Barry Gordy? I think it was one of the old Motown guys. Don't bore us. Get to the chorus. Yeah, probably. <laughs> you do that with your, you do that with your comedy songs. You get to them quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you about, so the first time I remember seeing you was around 2009, 2010. So 12, 13 years ago. And, you know, your, your guitar was part of your act, but to me it seemed, and, and I could be wrong, um, I've listened to the, the last album, Live Near Detroit, which is a great album. You bring the guitar out towards the end. But even to me, when I saw you back here at the castle all those years ago, it seems like maybe your guitar was in the act maybe the last third or so. Am I wrong on that? Has it always had about the same proportion of straight stand-up versus guitar? Uh, or have you changed it over the years? It was very. It was all guitar initially. And that, initially, okay. And then I did it just at the beginning. And then now it's at the end because it's more of a... It's more of a diffuse, like, because if you walk out with a guitar, 90% of the audience is going to be like, oh, come on. Mm-hmm. And, like, regardless if you're terrible or good, and I didn't want to spend the majority of my set convincing people that I was good enough. Right. So if I went up there and I was funny, just funny, and then I picked up a guitar afterwards, there's a level of trust established. Yeah. And even if there's not a level of trust, it's, oh, God, what's he going to do now? And then, because very few, few, very few comics who play guitar uh, play it well. You yeah. know, it's like there's a lot of comedians who have a lot of success with it who don't. Like mm-hmm. Larry the Cable Guy mm-hmm. will pick up his guitar and he'll say, this one's called blank. And he'll strum. And that's it. But 15,000 people go nuts. Yeah. So. You, you spurned or you influenced... Uh, a generation of Metro Detroit guitar comics because when I came on the scene in 09 and 2010 in that general range mm-hmm. any given mic there would be four or five guys a couple of them were really good too a couple of them would fade off but the, a couple that come to mind that were good uh, they had good jokes but they also could play a little bit too yeah oh there's a lot of people who are really good at it it's just the very like there's just a lot more who aren't I was I was a bass player. I've always thought, could I, could I be a comic bass player? You yeah. know, to do my own. <laughs> Jim Tavare does that. Really? I did not know there was a comedy bassist. So yeah, Jim Tavare. He was in um, Tall Guy, Skinny, Bald, wears a tuxedo, plays a really? cello. Wow, I will have to check him out. I'm not aware. Yeah. Um, so I mentioned the other day. I know um, I'm not a big social media guy, but there's a handful full of follows I have. And I follow a lot of your stuff, and one of the reasons I do is when a lot of your feed is comics, most comics, 80% of your feed are comics, right? And yep. it can get, we're a cynical, bitchy b- bunch, right, mm-hmm. as, as a whole. You stand out, though. You, I mean, you'll have a cynical remark here and there, but you're overwhelmingly positive on social media. First of all, I give you kudos for that. Thank you. Um, and I remember at the beginning of this year, you, you kind of made some goals you had for yourself <laughs> Kind of, in a, in a, it's Cliff Notes. It's paraphrasing. I'm going off of memory from eight months ago, but you made some goals uh, about pitching shows, production. You know, keep moving your your career this way. And some good things have happened for you this year. You know, you're coming off some some success. If people don't know, uh, Jay Chris um, uh, has credits and producer from The Chase uh, on ABC, which is a great show. And now a new show on Hulu called Hotties that is kind of your creation. So I watched the trailer. I don't want to fuck it up in explaining it to our audience, but uh, tell them what to expect if they tune in to see Hotties. Hotties is uh, it's just basically watching people get tortured for like 20 <laughs> minutes. Good fun. It's We took four cup, four people, two blind date couples, stuffed them into two uh, very hot food trucks in the middle of the desert, actual desert, 
and uh, we gave them the most horrifically spicy foods to that they had like there's so they have to their blind date they have to work together to make a specific dish Uh in the hour that they're there they have three challenges that are delivered in cloches so like challenge number one it's just like something it's like a watermelon something so it's like watermelon with hot pepper flakes scoville heat units two hundred (laughs) thousand and so then the next one's like five hundred thousand then we go up to like two million scoville heat units and the people don't see it coming we don't tell them what the show is we don't tell them what it's called we just say you're really hot you're really hot we're going to introduce you to someone it's going to be a blind date you're going to cook and we've got gopros all throughout the camera or all throughout the trailer and then the host and i sit in a separate trailer and we've got it all monitored, and we've got all the dates monitored. And literally, I just made fun. I Beavis and Buttheaded it for like eight hours a day. Because <laughs> literally, I would toss her jokes, and she would, and then they'd be in my ear from the other, from the showrunner. And we would just literally make fun of people. And it was just, it turned out really great. It was, um, it's like the anti game show. It's kind of like the dating, like spoof version of The Floor is Lava. Uh huh. So it's kind of like a new genre. And I mean, it's getting a lot of great like reviews. I don't necessarily know what that means because I'm sure it's not a hit. It's yeah. streaming. Who knows? Well, But I, it's a lot of fun. I'm happy with it. I would think with some of the credits, and you've achieved a lot in your career, but with even a recent vintage with the show on Hulu and, and the association with The Chase and ABC, I got to believe that it just creates positive momentum. Your name gets out there more. People know you in a different way. Where, where do you think this can lead? Is there any other projects in the hopper that you're at least close enough to disclose to us? Uh, yeah, I mean, I did. Well, one, the goals you're talking about, I wanted to work on. I wanted to work on five shows this year, mm-hmm. and uh, the show that I'm on that I was hired on last week was my fifth show for the year. So I accomplished mm-hmm. that. I'm working through December. Um, yeah, it's just like I've got, I mean, Crime Scene Kitchen 2 comes out on Fox pretty soon. That's a great show. Uh, Name That Tune is a great show. Uh, that comes out. Uh, Are You the One is out. So it's like, it's. I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely something really cool that I didn't realize until just this moment to mm-hmm. be like, in a few weeks, I'm going to have five shows on the air. It's amazing. And it's, I didn't create them, but mm-hmm. I participated a lot to get them to where they were. And it's exciting. It's 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 definitely exciting. I mean, coming home here is also exciting, but you know, there's a lot more to look forward to when you just kind of make the switch. I mean, I still love stand up. I absolutely right. do. Yeah. But it's like this was a treat to come here for this week because I grew up here, and it's going to be fun to relearn how to tell jokes. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna. I mean, trust me, I'm a crazy person. I'll spend like five hours tomorrow figuring yeah. it all out. Yeah. And I'll be ready for tomorrow night. But it's like this is fun. I want to do this. And it's like normally it's like because post pandemic. It is so hard to exist as a comedian on the level yeah. I was at before yeah. because you just, the money's not there anymore. There's too many young people with too many social media followings yeah. who can come in the club on an off night and sell it out. That's what, I mean, look, I don't know if you follow the schedule here at the castle, but in, in the, you know, the castle's been my home club for years. I've been doing this show for four years, but we're running shows just about every Sunday now that we're packing the place out with internet sensations and you know and some of them i mean don't get me wrong i'm not passing judgment that oh if you're known because of the internet you you don't have a legitimate act some of them legitimate acts some are good some of them just sit and tell stories for 40 minutes and you know get 45 bucks a head but it is a different landscape even my level touring the b circuit of the upper midwest and southern ontario i've had a dozen weekends a year vaporized because of the pandemic where do i go i don't know it's strange. It's just like it's, it's such a young person's 
it's such a young person's thing you know it's like you there there's still people out there who will drive eight hours for a 50 dollars set yeah and it's because it's cool because they'll get the photo they'll have the story in the car jake yeah. and i are on our way to fucking memphis we're yeah. doing it and it's like that becomes more popular than the actual like personally like okay for example i went up there tonight i did eight minutes I was happy with about two of the eight minutes, but I was like, big picture, happier. I was happy with what I learned from the eight minutes, but actual speaking, like two minutes. One was because I cheated and did like a greatest hits joke, and the other one because I just, just didn't care. <laughs> but that said, had someone taken a photograph of me on stage, me mm -hmm. back in Detroit, and let's say I posted it and it's a good picture, let's say 400 people like it, there's 38 people in there. Yeah. So it's cooler for me to be like, oh man, I just crushed it in Michigan on yeah. Instagram than it is the reality of the fact. I was like, oh, that's a little lumpy. I'm tired. I haven't eaten. It's a different landscape. Yeah. It's crazy. I think we're all still adjusting to it. I'm, I'm afraid that I'm going to have to go back to selling my body again. I did, I did very poorly with it the Let first me know time when around. you do because I'm on a couple lists. <laughs> um, all right. So we've got a wrap and I do appreciate your time in doing this. Thanks for having uh, me. I'm glad it worked out well. I'm glad yeah. that we got to sit down. But um, this is a little bit cheesy. It's a little bit podcast 101, but I'm interested in your response. If you, if you look back 20 years ago, when you were getting some serious heat out of here, out of the club. I think Mark was managing you back in the early days, wasn't he? Uh-huh. Um, you had a lot in front of you. You were a, a, a guy in your early 30s, starting to generate some heat in this business, headed it to the West Coast. What what could 2022 J. Chris Newberg tell that kid Be that nice. he needed to know? Just Be that? nice. As simple as that? Yeah. I was so fucking competitive, and I was so tenacious and did you go through your diva years no i mean kind of yeah probably but it wasn't like on stage as much as it was competitive and i was like i didn't learn to play well with others when mm -hmm. i was in the band because it was very music is very competitive right yeah. stand-up is also very competitive because yeah. when i did start you said you said i had a lot of heat on me i i wasn't i didn't ask for that mm -hmm. it's like i like the third fourth week i did stand-up there was a front page article in the free press, me and four other people as the top five comics in Detroit. I'm like, this is a little ridiculous. I don't, I happen to know the person who wrote the story, right. but I was like, I'm, and I was up there with like some fucking hitters yeah. and I got a lot of shit for it. And people gave me a lot of, and like, I wasn't ready. <laughs> yeah. Let me guess. Even 20 years ago, your, your group of comic friends that you came up through the mics and would see at shows who are ultra supportive. <laughs> is that when they turned on you? Is that no, comics just, are very supportive until someone gets a gig that you think you should get. Yeah. No, my, my friends were cool. It's just like. The other four people who'd been doing it for a while were a little irritated. Yeah. And I mean, it was like, great. It was like, I remember it was like Mike Green, Kevin McPeak, Mike Bonner, myself. And I don't remember the third, the fifth mm -hmm. one, but I was like, those were great people. Yeah. Mike's still one of my favorite comics. Yeah. He's great. So I would say just be nicer. I think I probably could have cut 10 years off. Yeah. Like in, in having more success, but. I fucked up a bunch. Like on the first shows I was on, I just, I was very competitive. And that, like, when you're, the world of TV is a lot like the world of comedy and all entertainment. It's like they just don't want drama. Mm -hmm. And if you, you want a team, you want to surround yourself with a team that's going to give you a good show. So now when I'm on a show, I'm the nicest person. I do my job. Anyone that needs help, I come early, I stay late, I offer. And it has me working all the time. And mm -hmm. it's like, it's my choice, totally yeah. my choice. So yeah, I wish I would have done that earlier. Well, I 
I've ditched all my religious beliefs. For someone who is Irish Catholic, I ditched all that, threw that aside. But I am a believer, believer in karma, energy, the golden yeah. rule. And you are, not just blowing sunshine up your ass, but there's people who've made it and moved on who don't always have the best reputation. Oh, that guy's a dick. That guy's this, she's so-and-so. There's always a good word in the Detroit scene about J. Chris Newberg. Oh, that's nice. I'm happy for your success, and I'm happy to watch what's coming next for you, my friend. Me too. Well, thank you, Tom. I really appreciate you having me. Thanks for doing this, dude. Thank you. Thanks, brother. And there you have it. Another Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle podcast is in the bag. Thank you so much to J. Chris Newberg. Thank you so much to all of you. Thank you to all the staff and crew at Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. Just one of the finest comedy establishments you'll find anywhere. Thank you to our producer, Joel Fregamini. He does such a great job and is dedicated to making these shows sound as good as they possibly can and editing out the considerable fat that I usually put in all my conversations. <laughs> Thank you to him. Please subscribe. Spread the word. Give us a comment. Give us a like. We sure do appreciate it. We'll keep bringing you the top touring comics in America on a weekly basis. Until next time, have a great Labor Day weekend, everyone. We'll talk to you in two weeks for Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle podcast. This is Tom McCarthy. (laughs) 